Yes, it is 7.08. That can mean only one thing, the uh, the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. We are back here, and already phone lines are open. We waste no time. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And one triple eight two two five. talk that number for the remainder till around 10 to 8 is absolutely toll-free. You have questions about your employment, your job, your boss, workplace harassment, your severance, anything like that, bring it on. We'd love to talk to you, get your questions, get them answered by Lior over the next uh, 50 minutes or so. We will get to a ton of stuff, including the topic, which is, sorry, you're not actually an independent contractor. You may not know it, but we will enlighten you big time. That, uh, we'll get to the severance pay calculator and all kinds of good things as well. But we always start with the week that was. How are you, pal? Hey, John. Well, a beautiful week, uh, beautiful weather so far, so I'm in a good mood and, uh, you know, here to hopefully talk about some uh, some stuff that's important, stuff that people need to know this time of year, any time of year, and that is your workplace rights. Your rights at the job, on the job site, in the office, uh, on the shop room floor, whatever it is, you need to know what your rights are. If something happened to you, if you're worried about something happening to you and you need to respond but you don't know if you should or how, this is the time, this is the show. Not only do we answer those questions right here live on air, I talk to people in my office every day when I'm not doing the show, I practice law, and I'm happy to talk to anyone and answer questions. Uh, So Mm -hmm. don't hesitate, don't be bashful. You're doing yourself a favor, but you're also doing a favor to others that are listening right now by asking those questions because they also may have the same issues that you're facing, so don't hesitate. Let's bring it on right now. Let's solve those workplace problems. And to give you a couple of examples, let me tell you about uh, some stuff that came across my desk, John. Uh, I spoke with a, uh, a gentleman who uh, recently, uh, let's say this, put it this way, screwed up in front of a client. Okay, He had a, a big okay. client presentation and didn't go well. He made some mistake. The client was very unhappy. And because the client was unhappy, his boss was livid. Okay, let's, let's be fair there. Probably the boss should have been upset, and he was. Well, what happened then is the boss, uh, in, in his ranting and raving through text messages to this uh, person, says, well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to resign, so I expect your letter of resignation on my table first thing Monday morning. Huh. Uh, and you know, being kind of scared and overwhelmed, he resigned. Uh, he gave the letter of resignation, uh, but ultimately, a few days after that, called me just to, to kind of check himself and wanted to know, is this right? Did the company have a right to demand that he resign, and is he owed anything? Well, here's the thing, John. A company cannot decide if you resign. A company cannot make you resign. By definition, a resignation is something that an individual does voluntarily and unilaterally. So if the company tells you you have to resign and you resign, that is not a resignation. That is a termination. If the company threatens you that all these bad things are going to happen to you unless you resign, again, that is a termination. And why is that important? Why is it important whether it's a termination or a resignation? Because with the termination, John, what do you get? Severance. You get severance. Exactly. Yep. That's If it's a real resignation, you don't get severance. But if it's really a termination, you get severance. And of course, he's owed severance. In fact, I assessed him as being owed close to eight months of pay. So I want everyone to understand that. And this happens often. I've seen this dozens and dozens of times over the years where the company says, you have to resign, or we're giving you the chance to resign. No, if the company does that and you resign, that is not a resignation. You absolutely can say, no, that's not going to happen. They'll have to pay you severance if they let you go. And if you do resign, as long as you can prove that you resigned because they made you, not because you wanted to, they owe you compensation. Any questions, any issues, if you're under pressure, threatened, etc., call me, email me, let's discuss that. 
Uh, Lior's number, by the way, when the show's not on anytime, one 821 5900 We'll get to your phone calls here on the air in just a moment. So what else you got going on? Well, I also spoke with uh, a lady who uh, found herself in an interesting situation. She took a job uh, to take on a sales role. She, so she quit her job to take on a sales role because she was told, you know, the last person that was in this job made $150,000. And she spoke with someone else working for the company. Said, "Yeah, I make uh, you know one hundred and forty thousand dollars." So they told her, they gave her every reason to believe she's going to make the same amount of money. Well, when she started the job, she realized that the territory she was going to cover it is a lot smaller than these people. And in fact, that the previous person that she replaced, the one that was making one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, was covering a much bigger territory. So, in other words, they gave her this job under false pretenses. Uh, she's not. She wasn't going to be able to make that money. In fact, she'd probably be making half of what they told her she should be able to make. She was extremely upset because she quit a job, and, and, and she called me. Now, the reality is, John, she should have done her due diligence probably a bit more. She should have understood yeah. better what her territory was, whether those promises had any validity, and whether they could be enforced. But here's yeah. the thing. Because they made her those promises, this is a situation that we call a misrepresentation. So if you accept the job because the company misrepresented the job to you and you lost something, in other words, uh, this lady lost her previous job, the company, the new company is going to owe her compensation. They're going to owe her compensation for the loss of the previous job. So I wanted to bring this up because a company should always be careful to make big, grandiose promises to a new candidate because if you can't live up to those promises, company's going to have to pay. And if you're accepting a job, the company's making you big promises. If they don't live up to those promises, if you accepted the job under false pretenses, you may be owed compensation. Now that severance that she's going to get that that company is now uh, liable for, is it her full compensation? I mean, if she was at the other job for 20 years, would they be paying the full nut? Yeah, arguably, they'd be liable for what she's lost, which is potentially wow. that severance from the previous company. So it's a big liability for the company. That's why companies should be very careful making these big promises that they cannot back up. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number is uh, toll-free. Got uh, Steve online first. Hey, Steve, good evening. Hi, how are you? Good, brother. What's, uh, what's happening with you tonight? Uh, my uh, wife just... Uh received a package from uh, her company she's been there 20 years she's going on 60 years old they uh she was an executive admin uh, to a vp and um they offered i think 15 months mm. and i was wondering if uh, you felt that was adequate or not due to her age and her position excellent question steve now give me a sense what was your wife uh, earning how much was she earning approximately approximately seventy-five thousand. Yeah, then, then no, it's not enough. I would assess her as certainly being owed around 18 months of pay. Uh, you know, $75,000 is a good salary. It suggests a more a senior position. So I think she's a few months short of, of where she needs to be. Uh, 15 months is below uh, the range that's appropriate for her. So the good news is that this should not be difficult. Something like this to negotiate an extra few months pay, it's, it's usually a matter of a letter being sent. So I would have her reach out to me, uh, or you can reach out to me on her behalf if you'd rather uh, do that off air when, when I'm in the office. Let me help her get that extra severance. All right, Steve? All right, I appreciate that. I will give you a call. Thank you. Steve, thank you for the call, and uh, appreciate it. Everybody learns from every call. That's why we do it. The number to get a hold of Lior in the office, as you know, one 821 5900 It is help at employmenthour.com as well. And you just did the math quickly in your head, but another way to do that, of course, is severance pay calculator, right? 
Absolutely. So Steve or Steve's wife or anyone listening to us right now could find out how much they're owed, how much their colleague is owed by going to severancepaycalculator.com. It's a tool that I created to allow anyone to find out what they're owed. So they don't necessarily then have to call me on the show or even call me in the office if, if they want to just find out on their own. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, you answer questions about your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you find out what is the proper severance for you, whether it's 18 months, 24 months, six months, whatever that is. Remember, it's completely free, it's anonymous. You don't have to put in your name, your, your company's name, you don't have to put in any identifying marks, you don't have to put where you are, it's free. And if you wanna contact me directly from the calculator, only if you want to, you can do that. Easy, easy, easy. The first place you go to, and if you used it, you'll never get less than your own. You'll never be taken for a ride. You'll never find out later on that you should have gotten more. So severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to uh, Cindy on the line. Hey, Cindy, good evening. How are you? Hi, how you doing? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, um, my my husband um, like has a, a mental illness issue and, um, you know, wasn't performing like to the standards uh, that he should be performing at work and also got like some you know letters that that said he wasn't performing well and whatnot um and he did get a package it's, it's uh, about like six months of pay i'm just i i guess you know for us that package was really good con- considering he got some letters that said he wasn't performing up to the standards i guess what i was wondering though is that because he disclosed he had a mental illness and it's backed up by some, by some physicians, what was your kind of take on that? Excellent, excellent questions, uh, Cindy. Now, my, my first thing that I want to ask you is he, he was given six months pay. Did he accept it? Did he sign off on that? Yeah, he did. Okay. Now, how long did he work there for? Uh, about four years. And what kind of a job and, and how old is your husband? Um, 36. And it's like, um, I guess it's like IT related. Okay. So the six months may not have been that bad. I would have assessed him anywhere from six to eight months of severance. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If they let him go because he had mental health issues and they knew about that, and I think you said it was backed up by, by medical uh, documentation, the termination itself is illegal. It's a human rights violation. Even if his performance is suffering because of that, it's not like he's slacking off it's because of the 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 health issue so they're not allowed to let him go they're not allowed to let him go that termination itself was illegal irrespective of the amount of severance irrespective of the six months pay so the problem here is that in addition to the six-month package he would have been owed human rights damages which could have been much more actually than the severance that that uh, they paid him so that's the unfortunate thing in that he he would have been owed more, but because he signed off, one of the things he would have signed off on is what we call a release, which says that once you accept it and we pay it to you, you can't change your mind, you can't go for more. So no, the termination was illegal. It's it's a very uh, bad thing to do to try to let someone go because they have a medical condition, because they have a something that potentially could be classified as a disability. So uh, Cindy, uh, you know, not much can be done here, but hopefully there's a lesson there for everyone that's uh, that's listening. Would he, he should have disclosed he had a mental illness for sure, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, okay. Especially if his performance is, is going to be suffering, rather than them thinking that he's just not working hard, he should tell them there's a medical reason. Because as soon as that happens, they have to accommodate. And part of okay. the accommodation is mean is to be tolerant and, and to be accepting of, of the performance and to try to help him out. 
they can't just fire him because of that. That's illegal. Could they offer like? Could they have offered like a different position that would have better suited him? If, Absolutely. That's okay. exactly what part of the duty to accommodate is. Is okay if he can't do this job, then we need we the company have to find a different job to accommodate him in a different role that he can do. Uh, they can't just wash their hands off him. So th there's a lot they could have done, none none of which would have been fire him. Okay, thank you so much. Um, Appreciate that, Cindy. Appreciate your call. I'm moving forward. Any more questions? Uh, easy. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can also email Lior. That is uh, help at employmenthour.com. And if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. Mario, Sam, I see you guys standing there, or at least sitting there waiting. We'll take your calls after a short break. You as well. Lots of time to call in. That is 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And one triple eight two two five talk That number is toll-free. It's the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio. And we are back at it indeed. The number 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale and one 225 talk You want to get your questions answered, please bring them on because it's uh, it's good for all of us, really. Mario, good evening. How are you? Yeah, good evening. My brother, He's uh, he works in uh, one of the trades, and uh, he uh, was injured at work, uh, so he was off uh, on uh, WSIB compensation. Now, what happened was, uh, while he was at work, his wife and him own a small store. He filled in for a couple of shifts when he was on compensation. Uh, we know he shouldn't have done that. Um, he, he filled in a couple of shifts when people called in sick at their store. The company hired an investigator, got him working at the store. The company has uh, subsequently fired him now. And uh, the WSIB has, has essentially terminated his claim. Uh, the company is also suggesting that they will be uh, also suing him for other damages. Any suggestions here? Yeah, okay. So first of all, the, the whole idea of suing him for other damages, I think, is, is a load of you know nonsense. Uh, it, it's not something that they could do. But the reality is that he may have a problem here. But here's how I look at it. It's possible. You tell me if I'm wrong, Mario that the type of work that he was doing for the store was potentially less physical, less demanding than his regular job. So potentially, no. there's a difference between what he can do with job one as opposed to what he can do with job two. Is that fair? He, no, he was on modified duties at work. He was only going in two hours a day, uh, basically answering the phones and doing copying. He was So they accommodated him there. Uh, but at the store, he was with customers and cash and up to eight to ten hours in, in, in a day. Okay, so so that is a problem because they would say, well, if you could, in fact, uh, work there for eight or ten hours, then you can work here for for eight to ten hours, or at least work here more frequently. So it is reasonable for them then to let him go because of what I'm going to call dishonesty. Uh, if if he's saying one thing and the reality is different, and it's reasonable for WSIB to to cut him off because they're saying, well, obviously you're not injured enough that you need to be staying at home because you're you're working at the store. So even though I don't think he really needs to worry at all about uh, any lawsuits against him, uh, he may not have a claim or a cause of action against his former employer they, in this they situation. Staying, they were staying because the, the, the claim cost them extra premiums with WSIB and that his claim was fraudulent. They're going to try and recuperate some of those costs. Yeah, no, they can't do that. No, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but they, they can't do that. It, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so th they're not going to be able to go uh, after him because of that. So so that that's easy. 
but uh, beyond that, he, he probably is not owed any further compensation from them because of the situation, Mary. It's unfortunate, uh, but uh, I think it's it's just the way it is. If he did the work... And what a- could they could they sue him for the cost that it cost them to investigate him? No, absolutely not. They absolutely cannot sue for the cost of investigation. They chose to do that. That's their right, and it led to a conclusion. Uh, but they know they they cannot sue him for the cost of investigation because they made a decision to do that. No, it's not something he's liable for, and. That's something that companies often threaten these lawsuits, but but uh, the chances of him actually facing one is very small. If obviously if they push back harder, have him call me. But mm. beyond that, I think at this point, it's probably going to be the, the last he would have heard from them. He doesn't really have much of a recourse in getting the job back because no, uh, he's, no, he's unfortunately not. Through. It sounds like the rare situation, very rare, that the company actually legitimately would have had cause to let him go. Okay, okay, not good news. All right, well, thank you. Thanks, Mario. Thank you, Mario. Appreciate uh, your call. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one 225 talk That is toll-free uh, for the remainder, of course. Uh, Sam, how are you? Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on with you? Um, I work for a company. I've been employed with them for six-plus months now. Um, my contract, um, uh, in my contract that I signed, it included... Uh, salary plus benefits after three months. Um, my three months has come and gone, and I've asked my employer on several occasions, um, you know, when I was going to get my benefits, and there's always um, an excuse. Um, I just want to know, I, I had actually um, an emergency dental um, appointment today, and I'm going to have to have further dental uh, work done on my teeth, and I want to know what the recourse is um, as far as being compensated um, for that. Very good do question. Do I have any? Do I have any rights? Do I have any? Do they have any obligations to me since it's a binding contract? So again, I, I haven't seen the contract, but assuming you know the contract says what you say that after three months you'll have benefits, then it's a contract, and, and they have to abide by it, and they have to provide you benefits, and and you're entitled to two things. Number one is to the extent that be, that because they have not met their end of the bargain, you now have incurred out uh, you know uh, pocket uh, out of pocket expenses, then they're mm-hmm. liable for that. So you may actually be able to claim against them the value. Uh, or the expense that you had to incur only because you weren't enrolled in benefits. So that's okay. number one. Number two, this breach of the employment agreement, the, this refusal or failure to put you on benefits, could be considered a constructive dismissal. What I mean okay. by that is they breached a term of employment. It was obviously an important term that they'll give you benefits. They didn't do that. So you may be able to treat your employment, if you choose, as being terminated and, and leave with severance. Now, if okay. that's what you choose to do before you do that, before you hand in your letter of resignation and say, I'm out of here, I want you to call me off air. We need to talk about that. But that's okay. one option that you have. Now, if you're going to continue working there and you want to claim against them what you've lost you know, with this emergency dental procedure, you have to decide whether you want to kind of go after them while you're still working there. I'll leave that to you if you want to do that. I'm happy to help you, no problem. But those are the options. You can recover what you've lost and uh, you can also put, uh, consider this to be a constructive dismissal. Uh, if you want my help to try to get them, get you on benefits, I can potentially send a letter. So there's a lot of stuff you could do here because what they've done is clearly a breach of the employment agreement. Right. That's that's what I thought. But I just, I, like I said, I keep getting the runaround. Um, I have incurred other expenses, um, you know, medical expenses. Sure. 
that I believe are um, should have been covered, you know, under my benefits. I don't even know what my benefit package includes, to be honest with you, because right. it hasn't been presented to me yet, right? So um, I do want to pursue it. I've had other issues with the company since my inception, and um, I'm not too happy. So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> this know. may be a situation where, you know, it may make sense to treat that as a constructive dismissal, especially if there's other issues aside from yes, just the benefits absolutely. issues. So yeah. what I want you to do uh, is I want you to give me a call off air. We're going to give you my number in just a second right now. Okay. And let, let's you and I sit down, talk about this, and, and decide exactly how I to move really forward. I really appreciate that. That sounds great. Thank you, Sam. No problem. And uh, glad to do it. Lior is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. Get that uh, cleared up big time. Got to have Lennox on the line. Hey, Lennox, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, just want to get some information uh, because sure. uh, my employer gave me a letter today and uh, they informed me that uh, as of June 22nd, uh, my employment will be terminated. So they give me two weeks notice. Is that legal to give me two weeks notice? So Lennox, how long have you worked there for? About a year, um, hmm. about a year and four months now. A year and four months, uh, no union? No union. And what kind of a job? What do you do? Quality control. Okay. And, and how old are you, Lennox? I am 73. So, Lennox, I can tell you that two weeks is absolutely inappropriate. In fact, what they would have owed you in your situation is right around three to four months of either notice or severance. So, let's call it four months. So, they could have either given you four months notice that you don't have a job or they owe you that in pay. So if they owe you four months, they give you two weeks notice. That means that they owe you another three and a half months of pay. That's what okay. they owe you. Uh, and obviously, you know, age is a factor because the longer, uh, sorry, the older someone is, the more severance that they're owed. So you've been yeah. wrongfully dismissed in this situation, uh, Lennox. And what I want you to do is I want you to connect with me off air so we can talk about that and get you what you're owed. Because, yeah, it, you know, it, an extra three and a half months pay potentially is what's, uh, what's at stake here. Okay. And the number? I'll give it to you right now, Lennox. It's one 821 5900 1-855-821-5900 for you as well. Lots of time still to call in until around 10 to 8. Yeah, you know that number, 416-870-6400, uh, star 640 on your cell, or one 225 talk That would be uh, that would be toll free. Got uh, Fred. Hey, Fred, good evening. How you doing? Good, pal. What's going on? Um. I was on LTD for uh, a few, uh, two and a half, three years, and my insurance cut me off. Um, I had a strong medical report uh, from a specialist saying, you know, I still need to be off, but they just cut me off completely. And at that time, I also got a, a letter from my employer saying that I'm going to be considered AWOL um, if I don't go back. So I didn't know what to do. Anyways, I went back. Um, and I've been there actually now for just over a year. And I'm just wondering if I still have any recourse with insurance or with my employer or whatever. Sure. So so obviously, if you're cut off before your doctor said you're ready to return to work, that would have been completely inappropriate. The, comp the insurance company is not allowed to cut you off uh, when your doctor says you can't work. And I think in this case, you said it actually was a specialist that said that. And yeah. those things happen all the time. And you know the insurance company is in the business of getting people off their payroll, which is wrong. 
And of course, regardless of what your insurance company says, if your doctor says you can't work, your company is not allowed to treat you as, as having resigned or gone AWOL or, or anything like that. They're, they're required to give you time off as long as your doctor says you cannot work. doesn't matter what the insurance company says. So there would have been both a cause of action against the insurance company and against your employer. Now, but we're a, a year after that or so now because you went back to work. So right. here's what I would do at this point. At this point, if in fact you feel that you can continue working, okay, well, you know, you kind of you muscled through it and, and, and you're okay now. But if you feel that you can't work, maybe it's gotten worse or maybe it's just something you can't do anymore, start the process again. Get the doctor to say you can't work, apply to the insurance company, take time off from work. And if either of them, okay, give you a hard time, whether it's the insurance company or your employer, you give me a call. Now, if you do feel you can continue working, there's not much we're going to be able to do uh, about what happened a year ago because you went back to work and you've been working all this time. But okay. if you feel you can't work right now, get a, something from a doctor. It doesn't have to be necessarily a specialist at this point. It could be a family doctor. Send that to the insurance company. Apply for disability benefits. Tell your employer you can't work. And again, any problems, uh, connect with me. Okay. All right. Sounds fine. Thank you very much. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate that. That number again, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900, and help at employmenthour.com. Well, uh, phone line's still open. Still got uh, plenty of time to call us if you have any questions, like our caller's previous, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. So, sorry, you're not an independent contractor. What is that all about? Well... John, this is an issue that comes up so often, both in my yeah. practice every day. It comes up all the time on the show. Uh, people believing that they are independent contractors, companies believing that they have independent contractors, and people believe that, well, if I don't you know, get paid a uh, salary for an invoice or if they don't pay my taxes, I'm an independent contractor. It's not that, and you're probably doing something illegal. So we want to talk mm. about what it is actually to be an independent contractor and, and when you're not one. Well, I mean, the first obvious question is, does it really matter if you are an employer or an independent contractor? And how does well, it, matter? it matters because here's the thing. If you call yourself an independent contractor, but you're not really, well, who's going to really care about that? Well, number one, CRA is going to care about that because mm-hmm. you're going to be paying your taxes illegally. So, so that's a problem. Uh, you know, EI is going to care about that. Uh, you know, and you're, you're going to, the Ministry of Labor is going to care about that. And it also means you don't have rights. If you're really an independent contractor, an employee, but you're not really, you should be getting overtime, but you're not getting overtime. You should be getting right. vacation pay, but you're not. You should be getting minimum wage, but you're not. You should be getting severance if you lose the job, but you're not. So all those rights of, that an employee has, an independent contractor does not. So if you're really, in the eyes of the law, an independent contractor, then or sorry, an employee, then you need to make sure you get what you're owed, that you have your rights, and you can't do something that's illegal. People think that's enough to just say I'm an independent contractor and the CRA is going to uh, believe me, that they're not going to go after me. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and you could be creating a huge liability for yourself by filing taxes in a way that's illegal. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one triple eight two two five. talk You have any questions about this or any other topic about your, uh, your workplace, your severance call, still got some time to do that. So break it down a little further. What is an independent contractor? How do you define it? So an independent contractor is someone that's in business for himself or herself. An independent contractor is a business person, someone that's in the business of generating more work, getting more clients, 
and it's trying to grow the business. So your your plumber is an independent contractor because the plumber makes money not necessarily just by fixing leaks, by getting clients, by running a business, maybe having other plumbers working under him or her. So that's an independent contractor. An independent contractor doesn't just go work for one person. An independent contractor doesn't just go have an office job. So if you're not, in fact, in business for yourself, if you're not out there marketing your services, if you're not out there trying to get more clients and you know spending your day and your week going from client to client, you're probably not an independent contractor. You are an employee, and it doesn't matter what you call yourself, John. So what if you don't meet the criteria exactly that you just laid out? Can you still be an independent contractor? No, you cannot. Now, there's a number of criteria, as I said, you know. How uh, how often do you work for the company? Do you work exclusively for them? Uh, do they pay your expenses? Do you pay your own? A number of criteria. Now, you don't have to meet all those criteria to be an independent contractor, but you have to meet most of them. And if you don't, then you're not an independent contractor. Part of the criteria is not what you call yourself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what document you signed. It doesn't matter who pays your taxes or, or how you pay your taxes. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've incorporated None of those things actually matter. It matters how you do your job. And if you do your job in a way that makes you look like an employee, you are an employee. And it doesn't matter anything else. And you're going to have rights. You're going to have entitlements. And it's something that you need to keep in mind because every day people get this wrong. And as I like to say, if it was as simple as calling yourself an independent contractor, everyone would do it. Everyone would be an independent contractor. And we know that's not the case. Well, I know a lot of people who are listening are thinking, oh, well, wait, I work for a place, but uh, you know, I, I take care of my own taxes. I thought that was enough, the tax portion of it, to make myself an independent contractor. No, absolutely not. It doesn't matter. Again, substance over form. Just because yeah. I, I, I choose to pay my own taxes doesn't make me an independent contractor. It means I'm actually doing something illegal because the company should be withholding my taxes. So no, none of that matters. And, and it's really about how you do your job uh, and it's about where you do your job, who controls your job. Those are the factors that, that distinguish an independent contractor from, uh, from an employee. And if you're there saying to yourself, I'm not actually sure now that I'm hearing Leo, I'm not sure I'm an independent contractor. Well, let me give you a spoiler alert. If you're, in fact, de debating this issue, then you're not uh, an independent right. contractor. Go back to my plumber example. If, if a plumber is hearing me right now, the plumber is not thinking, wait a second, am I an employee of someone? The plumber knows he or she is yeah. not an employee. So if you're debating it, that means you're not an independent contractor. In the eyes of the law, you're an employee. We'll bounce back over the phones for uh, for a couple. Dan, uh, welcome. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. I just have an interesting question because you're talking about independent contractors. So yep. I'm not calling for myself, but it's uh, an interest question here. So I, we work for, I work for a small company in uh, in Toronto, and we brought on someone who is a freelancer. Like they, they work on the side for themselves, but we brought them on for several days a week. Uh, but they're still a freelancer. Now the guy's doing a great job. Nothing against them. Uh, let's say, for example, we decide to bring him on for a little bit longer, and then a little bit longer after that. Is there a point where it, he could inadvertently turn into what would be classified as an employee just without us realizing? I'm, I'm just wondering. Fantastic to question. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great question. And what we have to, to look at is, is essentially is the relationship between this person and the company. So let's say this. If he does most of his work for, for you guys, if he uh, works regular days and you know works essentially full-time hours, uh, if he works out of your offices, 
if all those things happen, and he, you know, if he did it on a one-off basis, one time, once a week, or, or you know, for one week, not a big deal. But if he does this, what I've just described, for more than a few weeks, more than a couple of weeks, frankly, I would say at that point he becomes an employee. So now, if he, in fact, uh, if his hours change based on his schedule, if he has several clients, if his, uh, you know, availability is not always the same, and he's, you know, then maybe he is a freelancer. But if he has regular hours that you guys choose and he's there most of the week, yeah, he's probably an employee and doesn't matter what you call him yourself uh, or what you call him and it doesn't matter what he calls himself. It's very interesting. So it could, it could just transition uh, and, and like right now like I wouldn't I wouldn't even realize that until you said this. So something we should keep in mind if we do offer him more hours on these regular schedules that we have. Absolutely. At that point, may as well say, okay, we'll hire you on uh, as an employee for a period of a month or whatever it is. Because the problem you're gonna you're gonna have is that if at some point uh, CRA audits you or, or or the company or him, there's a problem there. Or at some point, if he makes a claim through vacation pay, there's a problem there. So if he's if you're gonna need him for a month and he's gonna work essentially for you for a month, hire him as an employee for a month. It's not a big deal uh, because otherwise you're risking doing it illegally. That's interesting. Is there is there a way that uh, a contract with the individual would uh, would change that, or, or could that transition still just mm-hmm. happen and the contract could become null? It, it, great point, and the contract would not help here. The transition can still happen. It doesn't matter what the contract says because we're always going to look at the reality on the ground rather than what a document says. Very interesting. Hey, thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. I learned a lot. Dan, smart call. Way to go. Nicely done. We'll, uh, we still got a couple minutes here. We'll get to, uh, to Janice. Hey, Janice, good evening. Hi. How you know, you? I, my husband and I have listened to this radio show on usually on a Saturday morning. And he says, where were they when we needed them back 10, 15 <laughs> years ago? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I am voting on behalf of, and by the way, I'm fine. I hope you guys are too. Yeah, we're okay. good. Uh, I, I'm phoning on behalf sort of my, my son-in-law. He works for a security company. He's been working for, for over six years. Um, non-union. He was, they were bought out of their contract where he was working, and when the new contractor took over, um, the where he was working, they told him they had to hire um, hire these guys on instead of making them, you know, look for other positions within their old company, right? Now, yep. they're talking about paying him vacation, his pay, vacation payout, but is he entitled to, um, to severance from him? So he's continued to work with a new company, is that right? Yes. So because he's continued to work with a new company, the company that took over, uh, he's not owed severance, but what's important here, what you need to, to remember, what he needs to remember, is that they inherited his service. So what I mean by that is if they turn around and let him go tomorrow or next year, whenever it is, the severance that they're going to have to pay him at that point is going to be based not just on the time that he's, he's spent with them now, but also on the time with the first company, the previous company. So even though, no, he, because he's not out of a job, then he's not owed severance because they took over and essentially they continued his employment. They don't owe him severance, but they do inherit his uh, service. Now, did they make him sign anything when they took over? Uh, not as far as I know. 
Well, that's good because sometimes what a company would do in this situation is they would want the employee to sign something that gives up his previous service that says, we're not going to recognize your service. And that's a terrible thing. You don't want to do that ever, ever, ever. So if he mm-hmm. didn't sign anything like that, then then there's no problem. Uh, but at this point, he's not owed any severance. He's not owed any severance, just his vacation pay and whatever. And then the new company takes over everything else. New company takes over and his employment is continuous, which is the, the security that he has uh, that down the road, he will get his severance if they want, if they want to let him go. Yeah, because the, the new company, the old company didn't have a union. This new company has a union. Interesting. Interesting. So he actually wouldn't have had to accept this if he didn't want to, but because he did, they inherited service. But unfortunately, with the union, if they do let him go at some point, his severance is going to be a, a fraction. So it's an unfortunate situation in that regard. Uh, but at this point, no, severance is not owed to him unless he, he chose not to accept it, which he sounds like by now he did already. Janice, appreciate your calling in the go. Got about a minute left. I think we'll squeeze. Uh, we'll get Sherry in there. Hey, Sherry, uh, quickly, what's going on with you? Hi, I'm a contract professor at an Ontario college, and with the Wynn government, they enforced, um, or they put in place Bill 148, and all our pay was supposed to go up pretty substantially um, to equal a full-time rate. Right. Um, And many of the colleges haven't increased our pay yet, and it it seemed like they were waiting for the election. so now with the new government, the conservative government, are if Doug Ford wants to repeal the bill, are they like what happened? Like can can the colleges say, okay, we're not raising your rate anymore, or is it is it a done deal because it was supposed to be enforced April first? Like I'm not sure what's going sure. on. So, so the chances of, of uh, the new government repealing the bill, bill is, is minuscule. I don't think it's going to happen. That would be almost political suicide to do. But uh, if they repeal, they could do it in one of two ways. Either they can say, no, you don't have to abide by it at all, in which case your college doesn't have to uh, increase wages. Or they can say, moving forward, for people hired from this point on, you don't have to comply with it. But people up to now are essentially grandfathered. Uh, but the reality is I don't think they're going to get much uh, salvation uh, here or help from uh, the, the uh, conservative government. So I would put pressure on them. And you may need a letter from me to give them a bit of a kick in the pants because, yeah, they have to make uh, to increase the wages to make it equal uh, for part-time and full-time. Sherry, appreciate uh, your call. Good way to end it tonight. We're back uh, Wednesday evening as well. Of course, the weekend shows. You will catch Employment Hour at 30 on Global TV and CTV. That during your weekend mornings as well. Moving forward, you want to contact Lior and the rest of his firm? No problem. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. And always use it. Make it your first stop and you'll find out what your severance uh, should be before you assign anything back. Call Lior and go to severancepaycalculator.com.